I don't deny for a second that I had super intimate impacts and interactions with people via the videos that I would not change that or nor do I want to in any way diminish what that was. But it's almost the trust that's put in you to get when somebody buys your book is just very, very different than clicking on a link their friend forwarded them, right? And the impacts can both be great, but there's a trust there, I think, that felt like a really heavy weight to me that you're going to have somebody that's going to be with you for hours over the course of days, week, months. They're going to reference it back, right? Like there's, there's just so much more to that that I think is a gift. And also to deny that that is a weight I think is, for me at least, would be selling the experience short. Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to The Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hello and welcome to the Author's Corner. I am your host, Robin Colucci. And one of the things that I have found to be true with everyone who makes the decision to become an author is that it requires that we step up, that we find a new willingness to reach out to a broader group of people, to be seen in a bigger way, to examine our own content and beliefs. And it is with that transition in mind that I introduce to you today our guest, Ash Beckham. Ash is an inclusion activist, inclusive leadership expert, and professional trainer, workshop facilitator, motivational speaker, business leader, and the author of Step Up, How to Live with Courage and Become an Everyday Leader. Known for her unique voice, intrepid, relatable, and intrinsically comic style, and powerful guidance, Beckham's TEDx talk, Coming Out of Your Closet, fast became a viral sensation. She is a popular speaker and leadership educator and frequently addresses comments, including embracing a different vision of leadership to create change in our workplaces, schools, places of worship, communities, and more. Ash has presented keynotes and workshops for more than 200 corporate, government, and collegiate events and conferences, including the Boeing Company, Bank of America, Microsoft, the Out and Equal Summit, and many more. And today, Ash and I are going to talk about stepping up and the various aspects that we must confront and deal with when we make that choice. What holds us back from stepping into our own leadership potential? What kind of resistance might hold us back from writing our books? And we're going to look at some of Ash's eight pillars of everyday leadership and discuss how these are practically applied or maybe practically applied in our own lives. So I hope you will enjoy listening to this interview as much as I enjoyed conducting it. So, Ash, welcome to the Author's Corner. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Robin. It's uh, such a thrill to have you. And, you know, I watched your TED Talk, loved it, looked at your book, also looks amazing. And, you know, as I was thinking about 
the things that you're saying about being an activated individual, right, and standing up for what you believe in and, and helping being a great ally and also helping others to learn how to step up themselves, true to your title of your book. It got me thinking, especially for our listeners, about authorship, which is really a, a kind of form of stepping up as well. And so I'd love to kick off by just asking you, what was it that led you to decide to take on that kind of a step? I so appreciate that. And I feel like, I don't know, authorship to me seems, seems like a giant leap sometimes. And, you know, especially yeah. the first <laughs> right. time, that, the first time <laughs> that you do it, it's such a leap of faith. And I was, you know, lucky enough, uh, I'm, I'm so glad you liked the, the TED talk, um, that I got some traction online with that and, and was speaking at all of these, uh, you know, anything from a conference to a university to corporate events. And, and I would be in, in a room with people and they would come up to me afterwards and say, Ash, I, you know, I love what you had to say. I love the message. When I am dot, 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 I will be that kind of leader, right? When oh, nice. I have this many direct reports, when I graduate, when I have these letters after my name, when my business card says this, right? Mm -hmm. There was this point, there was this arbitrary point that they had created that was a crossover into leadership. And I would be in these rooms and I would ask people, okay, who thinks they're a leader? And depending on the demographics, you know, 40% of the arms would go up. And then I would say, okay, who thinks the person sitting to the left of them is a leader? And all of the arms would go up. So it was a self-perception <laughs> issue more than it was right. anything else, which I feel like lines up perfectly with authorship, right? It's the biggest mm -hmm. hurdle you have to overcome is believing that your message is worth getting out into the world. That is so much harder to me than any of the criticism, any of the praise, any of the external things that come back at you, it's a much higher bar. Um, yeah. And, you know, in the same way for me, coming out was very similar, right? Like I was, the hardest conversation I had was in the mirror. Like the conversation yeah. with my parents wasn't easy, but the one in the mirror was harder. And so the book kind of came from this idea of no, 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 right where you are, it's a journey and you mm -hmm. can be you know, the CEO of a Fortune 100 company, or you could be the bench warmer on the middle school soccer team, and there are opportunities to lead. And we hone our leadership skills in all of those situations, right? And that our leadership style, and specifically an inclusive leadership style, when we practice it, when it becomes part of, of our everyday, then it's less something we do and more of, of who we are. Um, and so that was the impetus of the book. It was, was Telling people, no, no, wherever you are right now, let's start. So what I love that. What was the conversation with yourself around the book, around around committing to the book? Oh, well, I, you know, I've found myself after doing the TED Talks um, and, and speaking, that connection and instant mm. feedback from the audience really was a way for me to gauge in engagement from people super quickly. Like, did they buy yeah. it? Did they laugh? And we were talking about so many things, diversity, equity, inclusion, a variety of topics that, you know, certainly not starting with me, but often are in this kind of, you know, soapbox, this is how you do it right. This is how you do it wrong. Don't be politically incorrect, kind of like finger waving. And that mm -hmm. just was never my approach because mm -hmm. if we want to be inclusive, right, if we want to be included as a marginalized group, we have to be inclusive. And I feel right. like, you know, you can't ask for something and not be willing to do it. And so for me, it was, you know, vulnerable for me to talk about my own experiences and challenges and struggles. And, you know, a lot of times when I was 
not the hero of the story, right? And and had some <laughs> growth. Like they're pretty vulnerable conversations. Yeah. But I knew immediately if the audience bought in. And mm-hmm. 99 times out of 100, the majority of them bought in, right? Sure. And so yeah. that felt safer to me. And to be able to write, and it's such a different way of conveying it. I mean, the first draft that went out was essentially how I talk. And, and the editor that it was genius that helped me work through it was like, this is different. Like intonation doesn't work. Hard right. pauses don't work like that. You know, I would write something and have a, you know, a comma or, you know what I mean? But it would mean something to me. It'd <laughs> not, be a not, huge not, break, right? right? Parenthesis, <laughs> breathe, you know what I mean? And that's just not how people read. And so that transition to me, yeah. the book just felt so much deeper, you know, all, just the, the visuals of, of seeing me on stage, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. I'm a 50 something salt and pepper, more salt than pepper, short haired, androgynous lesbian, right? Like that, right. you know what you're walking into and mm-hmm. you can read the back of the book, but you can't mm-hmm. really know my human experience from that. There's so much that we take from visual cues and from hearing things and being part of it and live in the energy exchange and knowing that wasn't a case in the book, it needed to be a manifesto. And that was wildly daunting for me to change the communication that I felt very comfortable in into something that felt more intimate. Yeah. I love that you picked up on that because I really agree with you that I think that the relationship between author and reader is one of the most intimate relationships that we can have. So I'd love for you to say more about that and how how you experience that from the author side. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think there's part of it. I mean, there was a lot, I think with the TED talk, you know, the feedback was, it ran the gamut. I think anybody would tell you to never read YouTube comments about something you post, <laughs> I feel like is uh, just a little bit of self-care that I would put out there for people. Um, but I think people interact with it. And it's that idea of of moving on. And in the world that we live in right now, you have, you know, one TED talk was 12 minutes and one was nine, right? Like in the way that we operate in the world today, it is that sound bitey culture, right? And and I think it's the time investment, the trust. You're much more likely, I think, to swipe off a video if you don't buy into it in the first 30 seconds, right? But if you go to the, the labors of, of getting a book, finding a book, downloading a book, and you dive in, right? So you're going to stick around through it. It's just a much more, you know, it's not, I mean, this is a crass way to say it, but it's a, it's a relationship, not a one night stand. Right. And I don't, I don't deny for a second that I had super intimate impacts and interactions with people via the videos that I would, I would not change that or nor do I want to in any way diminish what that was, but Mm -hmm. it's almost the trust that's put in you when somebody buys your book is just very, very different than clicking on a link their friend forwarded them, right? And right. the impacts could right. both be great, but there's a trust there, I think, mm-hmm. that felt like a really heavy weight to me, um, mm-hmm. that you're going to have somebody that's going to be with you for hours over right. the course of days, week, months. They're going to reference it back, right? Like there's, yeah. there's just so much more to that that I think is a gift. And also to deny that that is a weight I think is for me at least would be selling the experience short. Yeah, I love I love hearing you say that because uh, one of my pet peeves is 
when people say that your book is just a big business card, which I think is the antithesis of what you're saying, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, the beginning of it. I mean, that's a great. That's a. That's a great point. The beginning of it was I started on the. You know, I started in the speaking circuit. And I was going to these events and like there was a bookstore and everybody had a book and I was like shoot, I got to get a book, right? Like, I got to figure this out, <laughs> right? Like there's a certain part, like, you know, you get to the threshold for me and you can have the greatest, I mean, and it was, I was incredibly fortunate that they were TED Talks and that was pretty recognizable, but you're going to go to the, you know, senior leader in an organization and pitch a speaker in a 15 second soundbite who is of a different generation you know, that like YouTube, TikTok thing is not, we're not putting serious money or serious screens into that as that person, as an right. expert. And granted, this right. was 10 years, you know, the TED Talk mm -hmm. actually, the first TED Talk came out in September of 23. So the anniversary is actually, or September of 13. 14. So the 10 year okay, anniversary yeah. is coming up uh, okay. pretty, nice. pretty soon, which is exciting. So even 10 years ago, so I, that was my first thought. But there is an authenticity to and believing that what I had to say had value. And it wasn't going to make me a better speaker. I felt confident in my ability to connect with the audience. But there was more of a, a lasting impact and also understanding that when we're talking about topics like diversity, inclusion, when you're kind of opening that door for the first time and somebody is is trusting you you can take that message in a lot of different ways and people take it differently some people need more time with it some people mm -hmm. need to hear those stories some people need the data you know what i mean the people learn mm -hmm. very differently that diversity is there and so to make this one more way that people could safely access and question and they needed to with these contexts in the privacy and safety of their own space seemed mm -hmm. like the next move for me for sure and once it got to the point where that's what it was then it just happened like once my intentions weren't the business card which is what like everybody was telling me i needed to do yeah, right. um and part of that was the publisher you know the publisher really believing like we will publish whatever you have to say. We will help you get there, but we don't want it to be, that's not what we want for you. And that's not what we want for our readers. Right. Yeah. Which is a wonderful stance because when I hear people say your book is just a big business card, my favorite retort is really, and how many business cards have you taken to bed? Right. <laughs> that's a great one. I love that. <laughs> So, I mean, that intimacy piece really is to the author-reader relationship. And, you know, I, I think we've all had, have you ever had this? I, I know I've had this experience many times where I, you know, I read a book by an author and I feel like we have a relationship. hundred percent. Right? I know, which become, that also was something that took me a while to get used to, I think, mm -hmm. is that people seed so deeply into your lives or, you know, started obviously with the talk, um, but then with the book as well that you, I mean, like you said, like you're in the bath with them, you're in their bedroom, you're in, you know, you're at the end of the long day with a cup of tea or a glass of wine. Like you're, you're there, especially yeah. when it's something that they go back and reference or, or, you know, that sticks with them or they share with a friend or whatever. I mean, you, there is, they know you. I think mm -hmm. that that is, that is not, false, right? And that connection is critically important. And to me, if that's the case, you know, in nonfiction and like this genre, then you've done your job. Yeah. Right. Like you just have. And you make them feel that you see them, which yeah. I noticed, you know, in your book, you do a really great job, right? Like 
I'm reading your book, I feel like you can see me too. And I think that's a huge gift that an author gives. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that speaks to the intimacy, right? Is that I can Mm -hmm. sit in a room with 500 people and we can have you know, ballpark the same experience, right? Mm -hmm. It hits, it resonates. Do you take it with you? Do you share with people? Like, what do you do afterwards? Kind of, but like that 60 minutes is a shared experience. But if 500 people take the book home and read it, that's 500 different experiences, right? Because their context is so brought into how they're reading the book in that moment, right? Did they have a fight with their spouse? You know, where are they emotionally? How are they landing? What is work? Like there's so much of that that isn't a shared experience that again, that's, that's the intimacy that is just so, so profound in that. And that I just hold in the highest regard, you know, cause what is people's most valuable asset is to me, their most valuable asset is their time and they're spending right. their time with you. And especially, you know, right. written in first person, it's always like, it can't be any more intimate than that. Right. I love that. There's no dialogue that's happening. It is just, you are just going until they decide to take a break. It's so driven by the reader where almost in a lecture setting, they're along for the ride. And again, differently impactful. Um, I love both opportunities, but, Mm -hmm. but the intimacy that you, that you spoke of is just spot on. Love that. Um, I want to turn to another thing that you say in your introduction, because I also think this is such an important part of thinking about when you're getting ready to write a book and even as you're writing a book, before you look out, look in. Uh, so would you elaborate on that first? Yeah, I, you know, I think that there's a, a piece of, again, of authenticity. I mean, that was the biggest, biggest part when I started speaking as well. It was like, I'm only going to be able to be 100% behind this if I actually believe what I'm saying, if it has an right. impact, like that it's additive to something somewhere something like that there is something good and you're ideally leaving people better than you found them right like that is what i think we're trying to do but you have to be crystal clear on what your intentions are right like is it a business card no shame in that game right if that's what you are doing and you know that's what you're doing own it and do it completely you know that's what i think people should do there's an there's an authenticity to it but i think you know what are your what are the biases that you have what are you willing to share? You know, what kind of structure does it need to be? Do you want there to be takeaways? Is there some objectivity and some subjectivity? How inclusive are you? Are your examples inclusive? Or where you're drawing information from as broad as it can possibly be? Who are you leaving behind? Right? All of those questions. Mm-hmm. And I don't it, and I and it isn't a look in and then pen to paper and start going, right? I think it's a look in produce, look back in, how do I feel about it? Do I feel like once it's out, it's not coming back in toothpaste, right? right. It's like it's right. not going back in the tube. So am I comfortable sharing all of that, of putting my life out there like that? Or am I not? Am I protecting people that maybe don't want their name used, right? Am I, you know, there was, it's, it was a lot about my family. And so how am I reflecting on their experience in a way that isn't villainizing them, but being an honest representation of where they were in any given moment and also catching up where we are, right? I, th- I think you you have to know, you have to be very comfortable with what you want to say and, and where you are to be able to start that process. And then you kind of toggle 
between those two, I, I think to me is, is the way that the most authentic work comes out. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things about working with authors is that sometimes you don't even really know exactly what you mean until you've written it, right? And then looked at what you wrote and maybe you know what you mean, but you haven't ever articulated exactly what you really mean until you've tried to write it. And Absolutely. Right. And, and, and it goes when you're speaking, it's out of your mouth, it's in the ethers. And, you know, unless someone's watching the recording, nobody remembers exactly what you said. But mm -hmm. when you've written it, you get that opportunity to really zero in on what do I actually want to communicate here? And are these words doing it or do I need to change these words somehow? Yeah. Until I, until I have it. Until I have it exactly right. Yeah. There was one, one of the chapters that I just kept circling back on because it wasn't making sense, right? Like it, mm. everything was in the flow and, and we were moving through and I just, it was individuality and I couldn't, I knew, like you said, I knew exactly in my head what I was trying to say, but I couldn't. And I, you know, you could, I, I'm speaking, I have slides and PowerPoints and animation <laughs> and bullet points and inflections and, you know, my hair that spikes up, like individuality is something that I exude very much. Right. Mm -hmm. But you, how do you write that in a way that's approachable to everyone that really connects and resonates and have it convey the importance that you had? I mean, I went through, I bet I wrote more versions of that chapter than all of the other chapters combined because I just couldn't, exactly what you said, I mm -hmm. could not articulate the importance of that uniqueness mm -hmm. in my head in a way that landed with the impact that I wanted it to have. Do you recall what the specific breakthrough was in your awareness that made you feel like, okay, I've got it. This is what I'm trying to say that I haven't been saying yet. Well, I, it was, it I mean, a while ago. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Honestly, it was, I had at that point, my youngest was two and a half uh, and there is no one that embraces their own individuality more than two and a half year olds. That's and you, sure. it was like that essence, right? They don't care. They had, they're not jaded. Right. Right. If, if you let them wear what they want, they will like, they just, yeah. they are like pure individuality because they don't know any other way to be than just be who they are. Right. Right. And th right. then to see Luke is my oldest and he, to see him, be that because there isn't yeah. you know the older you get that individuality becomes almost like defiant right, it, right. there's a separation yeah. as opposed to just a being and uh -huh. an existing and an accepting of everybody else and there and you know that there's a especially to that like there's awareness there's an innate part of us that sees difference and inherently fears it and then what do you do next right it's like mm -hmm. not your first thought it's your second thought and your next action right how do they embrace it? How do they connect? Like, what does that mosaic of a bunch of two and a half year olds at preschool, how does that work? Right. right, and right. <laughs> they are embodying all of these things, right? Empathy, right. compassion, individuality, courage, all of it is right there. Right. And so that to yeah. me was, was making a shift from how I saw individuality. Mm. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and then that allowed me to, to, to convey the ideas and the impact of it a, a little bit, a little bit clearer and energetically how I wanted it to be. Right. That's how I, I love that. I out. love that. And it's so true because the, the homogeny gets conditioned into us. Yeah. And you know, homogeny with a dose of shame to help it stick. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's right. The same five. So Luke is now five and his first day of kindergarten today. Oh, wow. And okay. 
you know, you and I, it was we had the funniest conversation. And I said, you know, you say, hey, buddy, how are you? you know, my wife and I have been like trying to get him through it. And he did orientation, all the things. Hey, buddy, how are you? It's like all we've thought about for the last 10 days. <laughs> and hey, buddy, what are you thinking about uh, kindergarten? He's like, well, I haven't really thought about it that much. <laughs> We're like, he's going to be fine. He's yeah. great. <laughs> Neurosis is not contagious. He's right. just being. He's going to be fine. We're okay. It's us. Yes, we can learn from our children for sure. Oh my gosh, every day. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's great. Hi there, Robin here. Have you been considering writing a thought leadership book that grows your business? How about writing a quality standout book with a real book publishing deal behind it that not only grows your business, but also grows your influence and reach? In case you're new to the author's corner, my name is Robin Colucci, and I help world-class experts write world-changing books and get them published. With over 30 years in the publishing industry, I've helped clients write and publish books with Big Five and other top publishing houses. Many have gone on to become New York Times, Amazon, and Wall Street Journal, as well as USA Today bestsellers. And others have increased their business income by 600 times or more as a result of their book being out in the world and the partnering work that they did with me and my team. If you are a top-notch expert who is ready to write your world-changing book, Go ahead and book a free consultation call with my team today. We have a limited number of spots available, and we only take clients who are committed to the process and want to get their book started now. If that sounds like you, go to www.robincolucci.com forward slash application. Go ahead and fill out the application form to be considered for one of our exclusive spots. Again. The link is www.robincolucci.com forward slash application. Now, back to the show. I wanted to ask you, so one of the things that you ask in your book is what holds us back from stepping into our own leadership potential or this idea of fear of stepping up. What kinds of resistance did you encounter writing your book? Um, I mean, I think for the most part, it was, I mean, I, I ran into my own resistance, right? Like, is it worth mm -hmm. it? Is it impactful? Like, will this be what I want it to be? Like, am I wasting anyone's time, essentially? Mm -hmm. Like, will they gain anything from it? And I also, again, like my context was speaking where like mm -hmm. every minute in 12 minutes or 60 minutes counts, right? Like you, it right. is they you want them to love all of it it's this ride that they go on right where where a book is similar but it is you know more meandering and that is not i'm like a, like a direct root person so i think that <laughs> mental that mental change of you know will they th that it isn't wasting i'm not wasting anyone's time i think that was that was part of it it was the the biggest one was that it took me a while to switch from writing how i speak to finding my voice in writing mm, that mm -hmm. was a huge a, a huge adjustment that just took yeah. time of just writing and writing and writing and writing and I had a you know a super supportive editor and they knew you know they knew it's the first time I've ever done this and um right. and and really gave me the structure of okay this is how you know this is kind of how it could be I'm like a structure person so once there was a structure and there were takeaways and it, it wasn't it wasn't like a memoir like that didn't that like yeah didn't 
work for me. Um, But this idea of giving people these kind of tangibles that they could walk away from and, you know, have this be essentially a toolkit. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that was also it in the very beginning was like finding the structure around Mm -hmm. it and not having it just be the text of a talk of writing. You know, the, when I first met with the publishers, they were saying, you know, if you did like eight of those talks, that would be a book, but I didn't want a trans that just doesn't work. Right. But that was just their kind of framing of right. Here are the messages. Here's how you can do it. And so once Mm -hmm. there was a skeleton around it, that to me led to conclusion at the end of each pillar and these takeaways and action items that to me felt a lot because then you're just getting from concept story takeaways through action items next concept right like it felt that it moved in that way and you didn't necessarily need one to have the next one like there was a natural flow of how that went but Mm -hmm. my idea of this would be you know it's I say when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? And so this idea of leadership with these eight tenants is that different situation. You know, am I talking, you know, with the PTO board that I'm that I want to be a part of? Am I presenting to C-suite executives? Am I having a conversation as the coach of my five-year-old soccer team? Like, what am I doing? And what leadership tools are? It's almost like a recipe, right? Do I need a, a, a lot of humility? a little right. bit of courage and some individuality, right? Do what of these things do I need? And when I know I need to work on some, I could go back to that chapter, do right. a little refresher, do the takeaways, have an action item, and then be on my way. Because we're constantly trying to up-level each of these things collectively so we can pull from them as we need them because every scenario doesn't need the same kind of leader from us. Like We don't need to be the same kind of leader in every situation if we want to be effective. That's for sure. Yes, because depending on what you need from other people, you have to show up and however you need to show up to make. Yeah. If you want to be effective, right? Like if you want, you can, you can, you know, depending on the power structure that you're in or how much privilege you have, right? You can just put your head down and be whatever kind of leader you want. But if you want to be an effective leader, you have to take into consideration all of the aspects that surround you. And that's this kind of like taking this moment to be like, what do I need? Who, what kind of leader do I want to be? And which tools can I use to be that kind of leader in this situation? All right, let's go. Right. It's that it's that momentary mindfulness of and which is, you know, based in humility of I who I am inherently might not be the best leader in this moment. Right. Like the, the skills that I inherently draw from in my everyday may not be what this needs. So right. who would I so rather you have like your go to pillars? Right. That oh, yeah, the favorite. things that Exactly. Right. That you're just like good at, right? Like that's just right, like, right. whether you were born with them or they've, you know, you've gotten positive praise for them or you've seen them as successful or you have that positive feedback, right? You have those things that you, you land in very easily, right? But then there's always things that we all need to work on. And I think if we can think about it objectively, that they would make us a, a better leader. We just don't default to those because we're not as familiar and comfortable in that space. But I think it would be undeniable that situations would, it would benefit the whole if we could draw from maybe some of the things that we still need to work on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this list right now. We have um, empathy, responsibility, courage, grace, individuality, humility, patience, and authenticity. Um, I already know which one I'm challenged in. It's patience. <laughs> 
<laughs> is is probably a big one for me. Where 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 do you find that that you feel the most challenged when, in, out of your uh, leadership skills? Yeah, I think you know there's a lot. There's it kind of depends on the scenario, right? It depends on who you're who you're talking to. So true, I would true. say. You know, patience, certainly, like you just want to get there. I feel like when you have been in leadership roles, it's funny, my wife and I are both in, in both of our lives, you know, professionally make a lot of the decisions, you know, we're kind of like where the buck stops kind of person. So you're used to that. So the two of us together making decisions is sometimes challenging because you're like, no, 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 wait, I'm the decider. No, 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 wait, right, I'm this. Right. No, at the end of the day, like we have to make a call. I'm the one that makes a call. No, 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 right, I'm right. the one that makes a call, right? So I feel like that. You have two captains on the boat, right? Exactly, <laughs> All the time, exactly. Right. So I think that that's, I think that, you know, um, I patience is a tough one for me because it's that we got to go, we yeah. got to go, we got to go. I think humility sometimes is a little mm -hmm. bit tough. Again, especially I'm in kid mode because of school starting this week, but humility in parenting is has been huge for for me and it's it's a challenge because it's not efficient right it's sometimes right. like rooted in absolute absurdity with no connection to reason right like all of right, those right. things <laughs> but it's a process for them and that's you know how do they get to the point of of making their own decisions of finding their own voice if we're constantly mm -hmm. telling them what it should be even if that's the right. most efficient way to get through the grocery store right like it's right exactly it's exactly. wildly a, a balance for them right exactly doing it for them in the moment is sometimes feels efficient but Oh yeah. If you want someone who can do things for themselves in their twenties and beyond, then you can't do everything for them all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And like things are gonna, you know, what does that what do those parameters look like? What do those guardrails mm -hmm. look like? Obviously around mm -hmm. safety, but you um I, I think that combination of humility and patience mm -hmm. and just knowing everything takes longer and it's worth it, I think, and to give them that agency some of the time and knowing sometimes yeah. that you don't and having them understand why, you know? So I think that right. those totally. are the two yeah. that I think are the hardest for me. And then, you know, I, I mean, I feel like I'm relatively authentic as a person, but to me, that's all of them coming together. And that authenticity piece is sometimes hard, especially in, you know, new environments of, you know, mm -hmm. I, every single time I have to talk to anybody. And the first time I say my wife, I like, take a beat to say it, right? And nine times out of 10, people already know, they assume all of the things, right? But it, it there's a vulnerability to that authenticity and that will never go away for me. You know what I mean? Like that, I don't, there's a, a, a need or a desire to protect my family from judgment of any kind. And, you know, so much of that is projecting, but there's, you know, there's, you know, that's to me, you like, if you, you feel that and you do it anyway, right? You're like, this is, yeah, it's more also, important to be honest and, yeah, and, and forward. It makes sense because your early conditioning, like, you know, so, so many of our responses get set before the age of seven, right? Mm -hmm. So when you and I were younger than seven, I mean, our, that was like an unheard of thing to say. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, you have that to overcome as well, which I think is also part of the picture. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about grace as a aspect of leadership, because it just, I don't know, it just seems very appealing. I'd love to hear you talk about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, grace is a tough one, probably one that, that I, I could stand to work on a, a little bit too, but, you know, grace is 
again, they're also intertwined, but you know, you to take a second and breathe and take that 35,000 foot view and what do we collectively want or what does this situation need? Not how do I get what I want, right? It's much more of a collective Mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. And also it's giving ourselves a break. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing for an author was that, you know, I would say the route to writing your book from, you know, starting to concluding, you know, typically is going to take that trajectory of like up and to the right. But if you zoom in on it, it's going to go up and down and up and down and up and down. And that's okay. That's right. That's part of the process. And to think that that is linear, I mean, maybe it is for some people, but like that is not a linear experience. And those (laughs) emotions are part of the journey, right? And that we can be okay with those. And, you know, circling back to the same chapter multiple times or whatever, whatever that looks like, we're so incredibly hard on ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, and if I can't get it out the first time or I can't convey it correctly the first time, then just the whole, is it just easier to throw the whole thing in the garbage, right? Or shelve it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that mm-hmm. there's times to shelve it, right? And come back to it and get a clear perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think that grace with other people, we know in our hearts when people are trying, right? Yeah. And yeah. And we know when we're trying, we're no, we know when we're giving it our best shot and just not coming up with what we don't want to come up with or entering a situation and stumbling and fumbling and making mistakes, but knowing that we're trying, I, I think that that's, that's the grace that we have to extend to ourselves. And when we can do that, it's more easy to extend it to others of like, everybody is truly doing the best they can. And I, I personally would so much rather assume that and be proven wrong by a handful of people in my life, then Mm. assume that people are not and miss the good ones that I don't see, right? I mean, that's just in how I want to see the world. I mean, that's what grace is to me is you almost Mm. to a fault, give people the benefit of the doubt because Mm. everybody's got stuff going on and people have it going on. And if we can see that for what it is, maybe do you get taken advantage of by a jerk every now and then? Sure. But like, I would just so much rather live in that world than where I, where I don't give somebody a break that needs one is is just kind of my, that is, that is how I see grace to, to exist in in a leadership way is, is seeing the good in everybody, even when it's really hard to see. Yeah. I'm, I'm just reminded of a story that there was a time I learned that in a really powerful and profound way where I was in a course and, and there was a member of our course who was clearly very angry all the time, kept leaving class in the middle of when somebody was talking, coming back in, just not really fully on board participating. And, you know, I have to admit, I was feeling kind of judgy. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't like mean to him or anything, but I, I didn't really engage with him very much either because I just didn't understand, you know, I was just, and I was in my 20s, so I wasn't very awake. And at the end of the course, I was talking with him and I found out that he, he, and this is in the early 90s, and he had been diagnosed with AIDS, and he was on medication. Wow. And I learned something really powerful that day, that before you judge someone's behavior, you got to take a minute and try to find out what's going on. Or at least, if, if, if not that, just accept, like you said, the possibility that something's going on that you can't see, and just extend them some compassion. Absolutely. And the people are inherently good, right? That there is an inherent goodness, but there is a reason why they're doing what they're doing, 
they vote the way they vote, right? Like all of the yeah. things, mm-hmm. they're, they're not like, we're not irrational humans, right? Like there yeah. are, there are some for sure, but there yeah. are enough of them where, where that, you know, to have that moment, to have that closeness, to have him feel safe enough to be able to convey that information to you. I feel like how many times have we had those, any of us, have mm-hmm. we had those moments where you're like, gosh, darn it. If I would have known that yeah, at the beginning of the course, six months ago, six weeks ago, I would have been such a better human. Right. And you right. don't want to like yeah. make up stories about people, obviously, but there's that leaving open that window of possibility right. that there's a really good reason that if we were in that same spot, we would do the exact same thing and we would want that grace extended to us. Yeah. Right? And just like you said, he was clearly doing the best he could. Just the fact that he was there exactly. was the best that he could do. A hundred percent. With what he was coping with. So, yeah. So I, uh, anyway, that just reminded me of that. Oh yeah. That's profound. That lesson that I learned and uh, kept with me all this time. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, remind my, to remind myself of that lesson from time to time as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And I it's feel like that's a lesson that you learn once. That's for sure. A hundred percent. I feel like that's the other thing about leadership that's so important is like, mm-hmm. I want to, that from my leaders, like those are the stories I want to hear. I don't want to hear mm-hmm. the, I don't want to hear the time that you were awesome. Right. Like I, I, I probably think you're awesome, right? You're my leader. And so I'm trusting in that. I want to hear the times that you screwed up and, and you think about that and those, those moments that you were not your best self and what you learned from it and how that hit you and how you strive to never do that again. Right. Cause we're Mm -hmm. all just, all just trying to get a little bit better. Right. I mean, I think those are the people that I try to surround myself with is that they, like you said, they're doing the best that they can and everybody's trying to get better. And if Mm -hmm. that's where you are, I am with you no matter, you know, we all know people like I have plenty of people that I know where their best is lousy today. (laughs) We're like, you've got to be kidding me that that's right now. But I know them well enough and we're connected enough and I know enough backstory around them and we have a relationship where I trust that they are yeah. bringing their best, yeah. right? And so yeah. then we move on and, and right. we try to facilitate, how can we make that easier? How can we help you mm-hmm. work through that? Especially like in, in a work context, right? Like mm-hmm. what resources can I give you? What kind of extensions can I give you that allow you to thrive in the current context of what you're working through, right? Yeah. Like how can I be, how can I have action items around making things? No excuses right? I'm not taking work away from you. I'm not doing any of those things. I'm just making accommodations so you can fulfill your commitments and bring your best every day. And maybe sometimes I can solve for those things and sometimes I can't, but at least I'm going to have the conversation with you. Yeah. Powerful trait of a leader that I think not a lot of people think about grace, right? As, as a, as a powerful trait of leadership, but it's so very much is. So thank you so much for sharing that. All right, my darling, I cannot believe how fast this hour has zoomed by, but I am going to toss to you my final question, which is, Ash, what have I not asked you today that you would love to answer? Um, Let's see. The... Oh my gosh, you were there. Was there were such great, such great questions. I, I, it's hard for me to think of um, one, but I would say what some something that I get asked a fair amount is like, what what would you ask the listeners to do? Like, what's one takeaway oh, that great. the listeners Beautiful. could have? And yeah, I yeah. would say that everybody that's listening, I would ask or challenge them to do one thing today 
that stretches their comfort zone, right? Mm. I think when we talk about stepping up, it's not, you know, you don't look at the face of a mountain and, you know, start at the base and blink your eyes and you're at the top, right? It's gradual. Like we said, there's those ups and downs that go along the way, but the only way that we're growing, I think, is if we're challenging ourselves and it's those little things, right? It's those, that's why it was called, you know, step up and not leap up or jump up or all the things, right? (laughs) Because it's one foot in front of the other in these very tangible ways to be able to realize that once we press our threshold on where we're comfortable with grace, humility, courage, individuality, any of those things, once you do that, then that becomes your floor. And that's kind of how I see it is that when you're pushing against your comfort zones and expanding that, and you feel that like feeling of the, in the pit of your stomach of like nervous and scared and excited at the same time, that's how you know you're starting to step up. So, and that can be having an uncomfortable conversation at the coffee shop. That can be, you know, having a conversation you need to have with a family member. That can be publishing your blog, that can be writing the first chapter, that can be the book proposal, that can be even looking to find people who you want to write the proposal to, right? Like any of those things that make you that, ah, that. If you can do that in the next week, we're moving in the right direction. I love it. I love it. Ash, this has been such a wonderful experience to have you here with us. And thank you again for being on the Author's Corner. Absolutely, Robin. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for everything you're doing out there in the world. It's so amazing. You as well. Thank you again. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.